Hello everybody, this is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium on February 29th, 2024. This is a leap year and we're getting to do a news and views on the very day of the leap and boy do we have a leap in in store for you. Um, we're going to get right to it. Just first a reminder there is no vid chat tomorrow. There will be a vid chat a week from tomorrow, of course, all depending on weather and other factors. But our next vid chat is for a week from tomorrow on Friday, March 8th, I believe it is. Anyway, let's get right to it. We finally heard again from Sergei Glazyev. And uh, we'll be saying a little bit more about why that's so significant in just a minute. But there's a really good interview that was actually spotted by our good friend and colleague, Catherine Fitz. And I literally sat down to do today's news and views. And I was combing through some of the emails that I thought about doing the news and views on. And then bang, all of a sudden, as I'm looking at the emails, in pops this email from Catherine with this very, very significant article in Sputnik. And I thought, oh, this has to go to the top of the pile right away. So I'm literally reacting to an article that I only saw about 10 minutes ago. So a lot of the good, juicier financial points I'm sure I'm missing. So I want to, you know have you all just keep an eye peeled on Catherine's website because I'm sure she'll at least mention this article and perhaps even blog about it. I don't know. Uh, I do know that she's quite busy right now, but she did spot this and pass it along. So thank you, Catherine. The article is titled, this was in Sputnik Magazine, their English language news service. The article is titled, Rocky Road to De-Dollarization, Sergei Glazyev interview. This was given yesterday by Pepe Escobar. And I want to read just a few paragraphs from the very beginning of this article and then a short section of paragraphs, a couple of paragraphs toward the end. I'm not going to comment much about it. I'm simply going to point things out to you and there's one huge thing to notice that you have to really pay attention pardon me pay attention to because you'll notice it because of what it's not saying or not telling you so it's one of those types of things that's going to be rather obvious when i point it out but it won't be so obvious listening to it so here we go very few people in Russia and across the global south are as qualified as Sergei Glazyev, the Minister for Integration and Macroeconomics of the Eurasia Economic Commission, or the EEC, the policy arm of the Eurasia Economic Union, EAEU, to speak about the drive, the challenges, and the pitfalls in the road towards de-dollarization. As the Global South issues widespread calls for real financial stability, 
India inside the BRICS 10 makes it clear that everyone needs to think seriously about the toxic effects of unilateral sanctions. So in other words, we've had enough of the USA using and weaponizing its own currency in a unilateral fashion to enforce its will on the rest of the world and throw all the financial transactions and markets of the world into upheaval because of it. You can't have international trade that way if that trade is based on a reserve currency, which in turn, while everyone uses it, is subject to the whims of only one, namely the issuer of the currency. So that's the problem. And they're basically saying, we've had enough. We need something different. Quote, Glazyev explained how his main idea was, quote, elaborated a long time ago. Listen carefully, friends. The basic idea is that a new currency should be, first of all, introduced on the basis of international law signed by the countries which are interested in the production of this new currency, not via some kind of conference like Bretton Woods with no legitimacy. At the first stage, not all countries would be included. BRICS nations will be enough, plus the SCO, that is the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. In Russia, we already have our own SWIFT, the SPFS. We have our own currency exchange. We have a correspondent relations between banks, consultation between central banks, and here we are absolutely self-sufficient, unquote. So pay attention. Continuing, quote, All that leads to adopting a new international currency. Quote, We don't really need to go large scale. BRICS is enough. The idea of the currency is that there are two baskets. One basket is national currencies of all countries involved in the process, like the SDR, or Special Drawing Rights, but with more clear, understandable criteria. Now, presumably, what he's saying there, folks, is those clearer, presumably clearer, understandable criteria will be spelled out in that treaty. The second basket are commodities. If you have two baskets and we create the new currency, listen, folks, we create the new currency as an index of commodities and national currencies. We have a mechanism for reserves according to the mathematical model that will be very stable, stable and convenient, unquote. So that's the game, folks. Number one, negotiate and create a treaty. This would be a first, a treaty specifying the, basically specifying the rules under which that currency evaluates or reflects the flow and movement and prices of commodities. So in other words, it's a commodities-backed currency, which means the value of the currency will fluctuate, but the value will be subject to a much more stable fluctuation because that currency is not under the control or whim of any one nation. 
That is a huge idea, folks. You can't, you cannot really underestimate how huge this basic outline that he's giving you is. Let's continue. We presented it to the Chinese experts, our partners at Renmin University. We had good feedback. The Russian ruble is the main currency in the Eurasian Economic Union. Trade with China is conducted in rubles and renminbi, with trade with India and Iran and Turkey also switched to national currencies. Each country has the infrastructure for it. If central banks introduce digital national currencies and allow them to be used in international trade, it's also a good model. There, folks, I think we're going off, off the rails a bit because we all know the dangers of uh, central bank digital currency. What Glazyev is proposing there is to use the central bank digital currency as the new negotiated treaty instrument currency and to use that as the index to control commodities backing. And there I think he's cutting his own throat because that is going to invite commodities speculation and currency speculation by those very central banks. That's, that is the rub. Up to that point, we were doing okay. It's when he started talking about central bank digital currencies that this whole project, as far as I'm concerned, went off the rails. But now, here's... The final two paragraphs I want to bring to your attention. Quote, Glazyev cut to the chase when it comes to the inertia of the system. The main problem for bureaucrats and experts is why don't they have ideas? Because they assume the current status quo is the best one. If there are no sanctions, everything will be good. The international financial architecture that was created by the United States and Europe is convenient. Everyone knows how to work in the system. So it's impossible to move from this system to another system. For businesses, it will be very difficult. For banks, it will be difficult. People have been educated in the paradigm of financial equilibrium, totally libertarian. I hope you caught those, two those four words. Financial equilibrium, total totally libertarian. Because with his previous central bank comments, what he's really saying is, yeah, we want to open up the whole process to a little bit of controlled speculation. That, folks, is dangerous. They don't care that prices are manipulated by speculators. They don't care about the volatility of national currencies. They think it's natural, a kind of religious sect, and religious sects don't change innovation. So in other words, what he's arguing is that the system that he's proposing will be much less volatile. National currencies will not be subject to the volatile whims of, of one individual power using them as a sanctions and weaponized instrument. But he is creating the mechanisms, in my opinion, that will do exactly the opposite of what he wants, or at least what he says he wants. Now, Right towards the end of this article, we get the following statement, quote, On investments, Glazyev stressed success in local trade, 
but capital flows are still not there. Quote, the central banks are not doing their job. The ruble renminbi exchange is working well, but the ruble rupee exchange doesn't work. The banks that keep these rupees, they have a lot of money, accrue interest rates on these rupees, and they can play with them. I don't know who's responsible for this, our central bank or the Indian central bank, unquote. And if that's the case, folks, then I can imagine a currency brought about by treaty with clearly specified relationships, understandable relationships to the commodities supposedly backing that currency. I can imagine underneath that veneer a whole lot of speculation going on between central banks via their central bank digital currencies. So we really have, in my opinion, in this article, we have two halves, two very different financial systems. One, the idea of an internationally specified negotiated currency based on a basket of commodities. And the other, plugged into that system, a whole slew of central bank digital currencies. It's two systems, in other words, two entirely very different systems that you're looking at. So I am arguing the following points. First of all, this will not eliminate central bank currency speculation. It will magnify it. Secondly, I was warning everybody about this for some time that we had to watch for the emergence of regional reserve currencies and those would emerge principally due to trade in commodities. So in other words, these bilateral or trilateral currency agreements that you already see in place are reflective to a certain extent of trying to back national currencies with the commodities being traded. So in other words, they've been really kind of play testing this model right in front of our eyes. And now Glazyev is, is really basically arguing, let's take it to the next step. So in other words, the introduction of central bank digital currencies here, as Catherine Fitz has been warning all along, is really a non-currency because it will have no stable value. It, all, it will all depend on whether you've been good little boys and girls. And incidentally, that will apply to the nation states involved. Now, there's two final and very important points I hope you noticed. And we're coming to that point that I hope you noticed something by way of omission. Because you'll notice that when... Mr. Glazyev is speaking about the BRICS or the Shanghai Cooperation Organizations and opposing that whole set of nations against the West and by name the United States. He's mentioning basically or implying Russia, China, India, Brazil. Even though he didn't mention it, I'm sure it's in the back of his head, Japan. In other words, what he just mentioned there, folks, were all those powers in the world 
that are space powers, and they are successful space powers. Whereas the United States has not had any really good governmental success in its space program since the space shuttle was shut down. What the United States has had is a rush to privatization and some successes and some failures there. Europe has continued to have some successes, but the real space powers has shifted eastward. I suspect that the hidden player in Mr. Glazyev's scheme is precisely space. Because in order to make all of those central bank digital currencies work, you're going to have to have almost immediate access to electronic financial clearing, and that can only take place either in underground and underwater cables or in space. Most of it right now underground and underwater cables. But eventually, as that economy expands, they're going to have to consider space. So there is, as far as I'm concerned, there's a big black area in Mr. Glazyev's plans. He's too smart a man not to have thought about this. But if you go back over all of his public pronouncements, he's been very, very reluctant to mention his space plans at all. Which brings us to another point that you might have forgotten about Mr. Glazyev. It's true that he's the Minister for Integration and Macroeconomics of the Eurasia Economic Commission. What you may not recall, and I think this is also a crucial point to factor in as you weigh the words and importance of this article, is you'll recall that after the Maidan revolution in the Ukraine in 2014, when President Yankovych, who was pro-Russian and would have kept the Ukraine neutral, was thrown out in a U.S. staged and led coup d'etat that brought in the current government and all of the ills that it has perpetrated, not only against Russia, but its own people, promoting and prodding Russia into this war. If you recall Mr. Glazyev's statement at that time, he said our problem, and I hope Mr. Carlson is listening because you're really not getting what the Russians are trying to say when they talk about denazification. Mr. Glazyev said very specifically, our problem is not the Nazis in Kiev. Our problem is the Nazis in Washington. And folks, he meant it. So that'll do it for today's news and views. Don't forget we have no vid chat tomorrow, a week from tomorrow, depending on our weather. We'll see you on the flip side, folks. Bye-bye and God bless.